I'm Steven. I'm Chris. I'm Stargate Pioneer. And I'm the French Canadian Sensation. And we're the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a podcast member of the GunnaGeek Network. Just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready. Because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Let's geek! Hello, welcome to Head in the Cloud. I'm your host, John Svazik. This is episode 9 for 2017. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about colors. Uh, all sorts of colors of the rainbow, kind of. Uh, not quite. We're going to talk about colors as we find them in, in security. And, you know, security in, in and of itself is full of colors. I mean, go into your your server room right now and well, maybe not right now, but go take a look at your server room next time. Just take a look at all the blinky lights. You'll see reds, yellows, oranges, greens, blues. Open up your favorite uh, SIEM software and take a look at the alerts that you're going to see. Greens, reds, yellows, uh, lots and lots of different colors in security. Um, now, in security there are more than just colors we have shades as well so there's black white and gray um, but the main colors we're going to be looking at today black white gray blue red and purple um, so you know as security professionals we try to make things interesting and fun for ourselves because obviously security can be a complex and boring topic for those that don't live it every day so the colors that uh, people have come up with help jazz things up so to speak so let's let's just dive right into it we're going to take a look at the shades first uh, namely black white and gray so what is black well black is the color that we associate with black hat hackers uh, so what are black hats? Black hats are the traditional bad guys who break into computer systems. If you've ever watched a Hollywood movie, um, basically the bad guy who breaks in to try to do anything from, you know, launch a nuclear missile to uh, scam billions or trillions of dollars out of the banking system, uh, all with a few quick keystrokes, is considered the black hat hacker virus authors, crypto locker authors, nation states, uh, etc. Maybe not necessarily nation states, but I would say, well, actually, yes, nation states as well. Uh, all of these can be considered black hat hackers. So the basic idea is the bad guys from whatever side you're on, um, if they are breaking into your system, then they are considered black hats. So black hats come at different skill levels from the lowest of the low, which are the script kiddies to nation state actors, uh, such as those from Russia, China, US, Syria, Israel, etc., uh, Canada as well. Basically every major nation has a cybersecurity component to it or some sort of cyber warfare department. 
And that is what we, uh, those are the people we refer to when we start talking about nation states, right? Quite literally some sort of nation with, uh, that funds a group of black hats. So script kitties are obviously at the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, script, script kitties are literally the lowest of the low. They essentially go out onto the internet. They'll go to questionable hacking websites. They might go onto the dark web, um, through Tor to try to go to various forums, hacking forums and whatnot. And they are looking for scripts, scripts, somebody else has written scripts or pieces of code that they can simply procure and send to either their friends or, you know, the local library where normally security is relatively, uh, light if, uh, if it exists at all and they'll deface a website and say, woo, look at me, I'm awesome. Or they'll try to get a bunch of their friends together and, uh, try to DDoS a, a relatively small e-commerce site or something of the sort. There's no skill involved. Uh, when it comes to script kitties, they are literally just reusing somebody else's work and then making themselves seem like, oh yeah, I'm the best hacker in the world. Uh, when really they haven't done anything that doesn't make them any less dangerous, especially if you have a small, uh, organization or a small network or a small website, um, hackers are hackers, right? And black hats are what we re often refer to as the, uh, the worst of the, uh, of the group. So now obviously on the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got the nation states where they're very well-funded. They have quite literally stockpiles of zero day exploits and everything else. And they're often working towards some sort of, uh, espionage or information gathering or sabotage of any kind of idea that you can come up with, but often at the nation level, they're not necessarily going after individual companies to cause them grief, unless it in turn could cause an issue for the nation that they want to attack. Now, of course, in between there, we still have some very sophisticated hackers, uh, black hats specifically. I want to be clear here. Hacker is not a dirty word, all right? I know how much the media loves to say hacker, 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 and everyone immediately thinks of, you know, the shadowy figure in a hoodie hovering over a laptop. That's not necessarily true. There are different types of hackers. We're going to get into them. When we hear about hackers in the media, they're often referring to black hat hackers. Okay. So black hats, just remember black hat is bad, right? They are the ones that are causing, causing harm. So like I was saying in between script kitties and nation states, you still have a very strong, uh, technical group of hackers. Some may actually exceed the skills of the nation states simply because it's more lucrative for them to not be associated with a, a particular country. And these guys often, or girls, uh, this group is often associated with organized crime. So it's a hacking can be very lucrative from phishing scams to breaking into networks. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, there was a group that broke into one of the banking networks in Brazil. Uh, it was one of the major banks in Brazil and managed to procure quite a bit of money. 
uh, I actually have a story about uh, black hats. I actually worked with a gentleman from Russia, uh, and he had told me back in the late 80s, early 90s, he and a colleague of his did what most Russians did at that time and tried to make some money on the side. And the way that they made money on the side was they actually worked to break uh, any sort of uh, encryption or authentication uh, key systems on commercial software. So things like SAP and uh, a few other enterprise suites that were available in Russia. This is back in the days before software as a service and everything else when stuff actually, believe it or not, came on CDs. So it was for a local mob, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, mafia organization in Russia that they did this work for. And, you know, money was good. And it was, it was very, uh, it was more, not necessarily difficult, but they had timelines just like you and I have timelines with our day jobs. But my colleague, his, his friend who was also working with these guys, apparently missed a couple of deliveries or he missed one or two. I can't remember the exact number, but he was late basically. Now, for those of us in professional software development, what happens when we're late? We usually get berated or we're told to pull all-nighters to avoid being late in any way, shape, or form. But if we're late, we're late. The consequence can be anything from a reprimand to, uh, okay, we're just going to move the date to, okay, you know what? You missed the date. You're fired. When you're late with the mob, what ends up happening is this guy had a rocket launcher shot into his apartment and <laughs> blew it up quite literally. He wasn't home. Nobody else was home at the time. Didn't blow out the walls, but it was literally a message to this guy, like, don't screw up again. Um, obviously, if they wanted him dead, he would be dead. Now, obviously, of course, no one saw anything. Um, but at that time, my colleague decided to leave Russia and came to North America uh, in search of a better life. So that was many, many years ago. And, uh, but that will show you the, the level of caliber for some of these black hats that have been working for organized crime. Um, with it comes, with that work often comes uh, an element of risk, not, not necessarily jail time, but actually something much, much worse. So anyway. Moving on from black hats, uh, let's go to the next shade, so to speak, and that is white. And white is for white hat hackers. Now, white hats are supposedly the uh, mirror image of the black hats. These are the good guys in terms of Hollywood stereotypes. From a technical perspective, they share almost identical set of skills with black hats. Um, oftentimes white hats will think of themselves as being much more, uh, skilled than they actually are. And black hats tend to be a bit, a uh, bit better skilled because, well, they've just been following the money, but that's not really the main difference between the two. Uh, there are some very, very skilled white hat hackers as well. Um, so how do we differentiate the two? Well, to put it bluntly, white hats let you know that they're hackers. They will let you know that they are going to hack your network. In fact, white hats will not 
uh, hack a system or basically touch a system unless they have written permission from the system owner, right? They'll use the same tools as Black Hats. They'll share the same skill sets as Black Hats. Um, but the major difference is that they will always seek permission first, always in writing before doing any sort of hack, right? So, um, so who, who's, a, who's a white hat? Well, you can find white hats as uh, independent contractors, part of uh, security firms, some, someone you keep on staff, security researchers, hobbyists, etc. Um, oftentimes, if you have an application, you decide to create a bug bounty uh, or sort of like a, a hack my site uh, style challenge, or if anyone can find a vulnerability, we'll pay you a certain sum of money, right? That's really what's going to draw most of these white hats out, some black hats as well. Um, and depending on what you're offering, the black hat may or may not tell you uh, what they have found if it's uh, more lucrative for them to take information and sell it on the black market instead. Uh, and if, if it's basically if they generate more revenue from that, you're not going to hear about the exploit. The white hats will, though. The white hats will tell you and they'll collect the check and then they'll move on to their to the next uh, person. So white hats also often practice what's called responsible disclosure when they find a vulnerability, uh, unless they're under an NDA with a customer uh, as part of that hack. So what does that mean? Well, you'll have people that are hobbyists or people that are, you know, just passionate about uh, their work. Or in the case of, of uh, certain organizations like Google, they'll actually have teams that are looking for exploits in other software. And responsible disclosure essentially says we're going to let the company who is responsible for the software know about the vulnerability first, give them a certain window, and this can be anywhere from 30 to 90 days. Uh, I guess it depends on the severity of the issue um, or how long it's going to take the organization to actually fix it. Um, the most responsible is waiting for an actual patch to be made available and uh, rolled out to a number of customers before you disclose the vulnerability to a wider uh, to the wider community. Basically, let the world know, let the public know about a, a particular vulnerability. And the reason for that is not to necessarily be bragging rights. There is some of that for sure. It'd be stupid to say that there isn't, but there is uh, an element of boasting and bragging rights when it comes to publicly disclosing a vulnerability that you found. But the, the point is with responsible disclosure is you wait for that thing to be patched. You make sure that there is a patch available and it's been rolled out to a number of customers already. And at that point it becomes kind of a race for those that are lacking in their patching uh, to get that patched before the bad guys um, go and create an exploit for it, assuming they haven't already. So uh, that's, that's what we refer to as responsible disclosure. So some people have uh, mixed feelings about white hats. Uh, some people think that they're just as bad as black hats. Oftentimes when uh, a white hat hacker says, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a hacker by trade, people immediately associate them with a black hat and just do not want to talk to them. But that's really not, not the case. So 
uh, just try to keep that in mind. There, there is significant overlap, but white hats are not looking for, or they're not looking to cause harm. So that's that's kind of the main the main difference between the two. So now, what happens when we mix black and white together? Naturally, we get gray, and gray is for gray hat hackers. This is the last of the hat uh, colors that we're going to be talking about. Um, so gray hats kind of sit between black and white hats. So their motivation is usually more of uh, personal interest, not necessarily financial gain. Um, they sit, they literally sit between gray or black hats and white hats. They don't seek permission when they're uh, going to hack into a system. Uh, instead, they they just do it. Um, but oftentimes they're not looking to cause harm or look for a personal financial gain. They're either looking because they're curious or they're looking because they want to gain some notoriety, often in terms of look at my skill set and, and a way of, of showing off, a way of boasting. You know, they want to show the rest of the world, they want to show the security community what they are capable of. Uh, but oftentimes they do so at the expense of an innocent system with without having any permission while they go into those systems. So there's been some examples of gray hats over the years. Um, there have been examples of uh, some gray hats that had put together some, uh, I remember there was a worm and I can't remember which one it was. It was a couple of years ago. Um, it wasn't Melissa or I love you. This was much later. But there, or it might have even been code red. I can't recall. Uh, anyway, there was a worm that was going out. It was affecting Microsoft systems. It was well known, and it was spreading rather quickly. Well, a group of gray hats essentially got together, made their own worm, whose purpose was to infect systems very much like uh, this other worm, the malicious worm, was doing. But rather than than cause issue by you know stealing information or wiping hard drives it would patch the vulnerability uh, remove it would search for this the malicious worm get rid of it then patch the system then delete itself um, after propagating so it was essentially a worm that patched the systems that it infected and that would be an example of a of a gray hat hacker um, someone who's created a uh, kind of similar sort of malware malware that a that a black hat would create but doing no harm much like a white hat and instead looking to uh to fix things but lacking that permission and this is kind of the where where things kind of fit uh fit together so you know hackers are are in the news a lot lately um, talk of hackers with, uh, especially with what's been happening with the uh, 2016 U.S. elections and the accusations of Russia uh, hacking and whatnot. We're not going to go into the whole uh, political sphere. First of all, I'm not American, so um, for me, I'm not really that interested in it from that perspective, not from a political perspective. Um, but from a technical perspective, it, it is rather fascinating um, how they've done 
or what they're accused, what these hackers are accused of doing, whether or not they're state sponsored or not, nothing's been proven. We're not going to get into that sphere, but it's still nonetheless a, a rather interesting, uh, interesting time for the security industry, for sure. It'll be interesting to see what the fallout of all of this is actually, uh, to see if, uh, governments, uh, take a knee jerk reaction to this, or if they allow, uh, security tools and security professionals to have their tools, even though they can be used by, by nation states and black hats to do, uh, bad things. So we'll see, uh, even though most of this was phishing based, which means there's really not that many tools you could ban, but it's the government. So anyway, sidetrack over, let's go on to uh, a quick analogy of the different, um, different types of hackers and what they do. I actually told this to my kids uh, just the other day when I was uh, discussing what I was going to be covering in this, uh, this week's podcast episode. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's imagine that, uh, that you have a car and your car is in a parking lot and a group of people or individuals are coming through the parking lot, checking car doors. Are they locked or are they unlocked? If it's a black hat that comes around and he comes to your car, pulls the door handle and your car is unlocked. Well, a black hat will let himself or herself into the car grab whatever they can find that's that's of value they might you know they might uh break a couple of things maybe they steal your mirror maybe they slash uh uh your seats or uh just in general just just cause some level of damage they may or may not they may be stealthy and simply take some information maybe they, they uh, take the change out of your out of your coin uh, system or your little coin tray, or they may break, uh, something in your car. Um, but whatever they happen to do, chances are they're going to make some money out of it. Maybe they'll steal something that they can sell to somebody later on. That is the, that's essentially what a black hat would do. Now, white hat, they'll come around and they'll find that, oh, Hey, um, before I even walk into the parking lot, before I even approach a car, I'm going to find out who owns that car. I'm going to ask them, Hey, do you mind if I check to see if your car is, uh, unlocked? And as long as they get a written note from the person who owns the car that says, yes, you are allowed to check to see if my car is open. Um, then when they get that permission, they'll go, they'll check to see if the car is open. They'll open the car. They might look around inside the car, but they won't really do much of anything. They won't necessarily steal anything. They won't break anything. They won't do anything. If they do do something, they might take uh, some of the coins out of the coin tray, then go to the owner of the car, give them back the coins and say, Hey, I managed to get into your car. This is what I found. Uh, you might want to consider locking your car next time. So they don't, necessarily cause harm or purposeful harm, but they definitely will not do anything, um, unless they have that permission. Now, gray hats, gray hats, they don't care who the owner of the car is. They're very much like black hats. They're just going to walk through the parking lot. They're going to check doors. They're going to open up a door. Uh, they're going to go in, they're going to sit. They might just look around and they might say, ah, interesting. 
got some got some pretty cool stuff here. Oh, I see you got some change in the uh, little little coin holder tray there. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna take a picture of your ownership here and maybe your insurance that you left in your glove compartment. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there, but I'm gonna leave your car. I'm just gonna lock it for you. Uh, before I go, because really, what's wrong with you? You really should have locked your car, uh, not thinking that maybe the person doesn't have their keys with them, or maybe they left them in their car above their uh, in their sun visor sort of thing. And uh, you, the gray hat has essentially locked them out of their own car now. So again, no permission, no real care in the world, no destruction, but still that invasion of privacy and uh, you know that 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 sense of, of crossing a, a line uh, without permission. So that's that's kind of a, the analogy that I used between black hats, white hats, and gray hats in terms of, of hacker uh, monikers. And uh, it, it seemed to work. My kids got it, so that that was good. So hopefully uh, you guys can use that. So. Now that we've talked about the shades of uh, security, let's go take a look at uh, something uh, in more traditional in, in the color sphere, uh, the reds, the blues, and the purples. So uh, what is red? Red is uh, something that we refer to for red teams. So what is a red team? Um, so black, white, and gray were, were hats. Red, blue, and purple are gonna be teams. Red team is, the the best way to describe a red team is someone that you have that you have hired either on staff or from some uh, third party that attacks your systems uh, with permission. So essentially, a group of white hats, uh, but their sole purpose is to attack. Right, their I, their purpose is to break into your systems. They are looking for vulnerabilities. Uh, they will be using the same tools as external um, black hat hackers. So keep in mind, red team does not necessarily mean black hat. It does not mean an external threat that you weren't expecting. Red team is someone that you have hired uh, that is going to be doing these uh, this testing, right? They will be hacking your system very much as if they were a black hat from an external threat, uh, but they're they're doing penetration testing, right? So pen testers are often referred to as uh, red teamers. So those two terms are used interchangeably. When you talk about a penetration tester, uh, you talking about a red team member, they're the same thing. They're the same uh, role, right? They're looking for flaws and they're looking to exploit them. Uh, they're not looking to patch them, but they are looking to document what they found. And uh, their entire purpose in life is quite literally to break into systems that they are that they have permission for. So moving on to blue for blue teams. So blue team are the opposite of red team. So often red versus blue this is uh i don't know if this came out from the halo days when you had red versus blue i know a lot of team-based games where one team is attacking the other team is defending use the whole red versus blue uh which i think came from early days of halo uh i was never a halo player i just know the uh i just know the colors but 
you know, security is, is either, it either came from security or security has taken it either which way, um, it's ours now. So, ha, anyway, uh, blue for blue team, blue teamers are the defenders. Blue teamers are the people responsible for firewalls, IDSs, antivirus, seams, log management, any sort of monitoring anything that they can do to protect their network, protect their assets and stop the bad guys, quote unquote, bad guys from getting into uh, the network. That's what a blue teamer is, right? So blue teamers are generally um, where most security professionals start their InfoSec careers. These are the guys and girls who defend the networks, set up the network uh, perimeters, set up those firewalls, monitor those logs, looking for suspicious activity. Uh, blue teamers can do a lot more than that though. Uh, they can get into uh, anything from exploits uh, analysis to computer forensics to data recovery. All of these things can be considered part of, uh, of the blue team. So, for blue teamers, it's less about hacking and more understanding what hackers are doing and how to better defend against those types of attacks. Uh, for some people in InfoSec, they will look at blue team and blue team work as a losing battle. Uh, first of all, it's not as sexy as red team. It's more fun to attack than it is to defend. Um, it is definitely harder because for a blue team member, you've got to basically protect everything. You have to patch everything uh, and be prepared for almost any eventuality versus a red team who just has to find one exploit. They just have to find one way in. And once they can get into that hole uh, in your defenses, then they can start making some lateral moves. And next thing you know, they've completely owned your network. So um, blue team is still a lot of fun. And it's definitely something that we need. It's also getting a lot more attention in security conferences lately. Uh, traditionally, security conferences have been more about the red team aspect of things, the attacking. But uh, we're starting to see some tracks coming in with uh, some of the conferences that are focusing more on the blue team efforts, which is really, really good to see, right? Because it is very important, obviously, without having any sort of defense, then, then you know, what's the point? We wouldn't have an InfoSec uh, profession if we didn't have blue teamers. So, and very much like Grey Hat, when we talk about Grey being a mix of white and black, when we mix red and blue, we come up with purple. Uh, purple is for purple teamers. So this is a fairly new term. It's, it's something that's been coined in the last couple of years. Um, and the idea is very similar to, you know, the, the gray hats. It's a mixture of the blue and the red teams. Traditionally, in traditional roles, red attacks, blue defense. That's it. Purple teamers, however, they will attack... And then they will work either directly um, on the systems that they just compromised, or they'll work with someone um, from the traditional blue team 
to help patch the vulnerabilities that they found. They'll go into much more than here's a report of what I did. You guys figure out how to patch it. They'll actually say, look, this is how I got in. If you guys had added such this and this and this and this, you would have been able to uh, identify my attack and you would have been able to block me. Right. So purple teamers are playing both sides of the, uh, of the field, so to speak. Um, and they're kind of rare. I wouldn't say that they're, um, all that common, mainly from the perspective that I think a lot of red teamers have the potential to be purple team members, but they don't necessarily want to because of the liability. If I tell you how to patch something and you're going to patch it and you're going to fix it so I can't get back in, then what happens when somebody finds a zero day exploit and comes in that way? Did I give you a false sense of security by telling you this is how I've patched the system? Um, no, that's, it's not the case. I've shown you one of the potential ways people can get in and I've told you how to fix it. That doesn't mean that's going to save you from everything else, but oftentimes that gets lost in translation. And so a lot of people try to avoid the, the whole notion of, uh, let me tell you how to fix it because they don't want to assume that responsibility that by telling you that you've now assumed that everything is fine. So purple teams an, an interesting one. Um, but it, it's hard to find someone, uh, that can play the role or is willing to play the role. Um, especially from if you're hiring an external agency or a third party to do penetration testing and you want them to do, uh, any sort of, of, uh, purple team activity where they're going to tell you how to patch the systems that they just broke into. Um, unless it's very clear in the support contract that they're their focus is only going to be on the things that they found, uh, it, it's going to be difficult to find. They are out there, uh, but you probably have a better chance of getting someone in-house to do this type of role uh, as long as people understand what that role really defines. So anyway, with that, look at all the colors we have in security. See, security really is exciting. But you're probably asking yourself, John, this is uh, head in the cloud. This is... How is this related to cloud security in any way, shape, or form? Well, it's quite simple. Um, security in the cloud, you still have red and blue teams. You still have black hats, white hats, and gray hats. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a dedicated data center or if you have um, everything hosted up in uh, Google Cloud or Azure or Amazon you still have these teams, you still have these hats, you still have these concerns that you need to understand. So there are uh, certain concepts in security that are not necessarily bounded by traditional data center versus cloud. And this is one of them, right? So uh, as far as cloud services are concerned, you know, probably the most important thing that you guys are going to have is blue teams and red teams. Most likely you're going to be going out to a third party for your red team support uh, for doing external pen testing, uh, depending if you are, if you fall under something like PCI compliance, then it's required that you have a, a third party doing the penetration testing. Uh, different customers will have different requirements as well. 
So you're going to have blue teamers. You're going to have someone who's going to be responsible for the firewall settings for your cloud instances, the hardening of the individual images, you know, very much going back to that CIS benchmark that we covered early on in the, uh, in the podcast uh, episodes, right? These are things that you want to, you want to take a look at and get, uh, get applied. And that's blue team efforts. And that's, doesn't matter if you're cloud or not, that's something you want to do uh, or need to do in order to keep your systems safe and secure. So that's how everything kind of uh, fits fits together. So what are some of the takeaways that we're gonna we're gonna get from this episode? Uh, first and foremost, hacker is not a bad word, right? Black hat hacker is uh, someone you want to stay away from, but white hat hackers actually do help to try to make things more secure for us by showing us that yes, there are certain exploits that can be done. And um, it, we can fix them as long as we are aware of what they are. You know, gray hats have sometimes good intentions, but can be a little misguided and uh, maybe can potentially do more harm than good. If you have ever patched a system and then immediately had your system break in some way, you know, when a gray hat comes in and says, look, I'm just going to fix it for you because you obviously haven't done it. They're forgetting the fact that, you know what, sometimes patches can cause more harm than good. So keep that in mind if you, uh, when you when you think about gray hats, that sometimes the the cure can be almost as bad, if not worse, than the disease itself. And sometimes there's better ways, or there's a certain way that needs to be done. It has to be tailored for the system. So can't necessarily paint everything with a broad brush. So uh, blue teaming is hard, right? It's often misunderstood and underappreciated in terms of level of effort that's associated with uh, blue teaming. Um, going back to an analogy I used in a previous episode, a blue team is essentially the rock that keeps the tiger away. You don't know that it's working, but when it doesn't work, then you immediately hear about it. And so with that, you know, people tend to think well, what, what the hell do I pay these guys for? Or what are they doing? I mean, we haven't had a, uh, a breach in, you know, X number of months or X number of years. Well, that's good. That means that they are doing their job. But of course, the minute that something breaks and everyone, you know, has a small conniption, what is going on? How could this possibly have happened? Why are we a threat? Why didn't we catch this? And so on and so forth. Then the blue team usually gets uh, gets in a bit of heat from that, and of course, in order to prevent that, this is why you have red teams that will actually do the testing of the uh, the work that the blue team has done, and purple teamers will then go further and help the blue team members fix the actual exploits that they managed to find. So. Lots of stuff in this particular episode, lots of different colors, lots of uh, different roles and responsibilities, a lot of overlap as well, right? So, but nonetheless, you know, security is fun. We have a lot of, we have a rainbow of colors and, and shades and everything else that we can work with. Uh, and it is, it is a, an interesting and cool um, concept, for lack of a better term, uh, in terms of security and colors. So hopefully you guys learned something. Um, you know, there's lots of stuff that you can read in uh, about this this stuff. 
um, going from, you know, if you want to have a career in red team, or even you hear people talking about red teamers and whatnot, um, or, you know, Hey, I want to, I want to be the blue teamer. I like, I like to be on the defensive. I think that's, uh, you know, I can, I can really shore up my defenses. Um, you know, there you go. Now you can you have some additional terms you can Google for to, to look into, uh, uh, growing your career in, in information security. So, uh, with that, uh, thank you for listening. We're going to wrap this episode up, uh, just a couple of quick things. Um, so the podcast is on Podchaser. So, uh, as I, uh, described in, in the previous episode, Podchaser is essentially a, a new service that's out there to help discover podcasts, rate episodes and whatnot. Um, it's, it's pretty nice. You can see what's trending. Um, you can see it, what's trending by the episode, not necessarily by the podcast itself. So it's a new, it's an interesting concept. So we're, we have head in the cloud up there as well. Uh, if you try to sign on to podchaser.com, uh, and it asks you for an invite code, just use the code head in the cloud. Uh, capitalize the first letter of each word, and it's all one word. So capital H, capital I, capital T, capital C for head in the cloud. Um, we've got 100 uses um, for that particular code. I don't think we've had 100 people sign up yet, so chances are that it's good. If you're listening to this in the future and there is no code, you just ignore that, that step. Uh, what else? We are on the Gunna Geek Network. So yay, we've uh, managed to find ourselves a nice podcast network. Uh, seems well suited for Head in the Cloud. I'd uh, like to uh, thank the guys for adding Head in the Cloud to the network. Uh, go to gunnageek.com. You would have heard the pre-roll for this particular podcast. Uh, take a look. They've got a lot of geeky podcasts on there, uh, not just security-related uh, games, comics, uh, just a variety of things. If you want to get into podcasting, they've got a really good podcast, uh, podcast, podcast, but podcasts, uh, but definitely great group of guys. Uh, great pleasure to be part of their network. Um, yeah, go, go over to gunnageek.com. Take a look, uh, gunnageek network, sorry, gunnageeknetwork.com. Take a look there. I'll have a link to the, uh, to the site in the show notes as well. As for ourselves, um, you can find the website at myheadinthe.cloud. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, John's Not Here. Uh, we have a Facebook fan page, My Head in the Cloud. I'm on Peerlist, just search for my, my name. Uh, and yeah, those are the, the main ways to get in touch with me. Um, if anyone has any comments, uh, any concerns, any ideas for future shows, if you want to come on, be a guest or anything of the sort, you know, reach out, let me know, and we can see what we can do for uh, the future of the of the podcast. Uh, we've got a bunch of ideas that are that I've, I've got written down and whatnot, but always welcome to uh, new ideas and, and uh, new uh, directions. So if there's something you guys want to hear or anything uh, else you want to share with, by all means, just, just reach out. You can reach me, like I said, at any of the uh, previous uh, methods of contact. Anyway, with that, stay safe and have yourself a great week. Mm-hmm.